Hello, welcome back to a Christmas special episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. Um, from all of us at Scouted, we hope wherever you are in the world, uh, whether you do or don't celebrate Christmas, um, that you're keeping safe and well and trying to have as much fun as possible given the circumstances. Um, it is the bleak midwinter, um, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere at least. Uh, so today's episode comes from Norway, uh, from all the way up in the Arctic Circle to be precise. Uh, that is because the small town of Boda was home to the Norwegian champions this year for the very first time. Um, and it is one of the stories of 2020 in European football, I think. You know, it's one of the best tales of, you know, underdogs, you know, rising to the challenge. Um, you know, the little club from the Arctic Circle beating the likes of, you know, Europa League and Champions League regulars, Rosenborg and Molde to the punch and, and doing it in real style along the way, which just made it so more palatable. Um they, they were punctuated by a number of exciting young players, uh, many of whom who came through the, the club's academy system and others who they bought shrewdly. Um, and all in all, since returning to the top flight in, in 2016-17, they've been very well run uh, and now they're, they're reaping the rewards of it. So there could only be one person that, that I discuss Glimpt's story with uh, and he's followed them all the way. And I mean, from the second division. Um, ben Wells has the unrivaled expertise in, in the field of Norwegian football and, and I'm absolutely delighted to have him back on the podcast. Ben, Merry Christmas. It's great to speak once again. How are you doing? Hi, mate. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas as well. And um, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a been a really good season, if not like a very strange season in terms of you know, comparing it to previous years and everything. But no, it's been yeah, so exciting to follow Border Glimp this year. And yeah, looking forward to chatting about them a bit more. I've, I spoke to you just before we started recording about I could talk about this team for days so yeah looking forward to uh doing a deep dive into them yeah I was just saying I, I couldn't believe that sort of we hadn't linked up and, and, and spoken about them because it is sort of one of the under 23 football stories of of the past six months because that is obviously when the the Norwegian elite Syrian was played over the last six months um and and because there's been some really interesting players involved there and we're, we're, us at scouted we've we've really sort of attached ourselves onto quite a few of them <laughs> Um, Jens Petterhaug is, is is certainly one that's close to all of our hearts. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously now of, of AC Milan, um, who you know he could end up winning two titles in the same year. So that would be that would be, <laughs> be amazing. Well, the same season, yeah, that would be it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, but just back to Glimp's sort of season, you know, one defeat all year, 103 goals in 30 games, a goal difference of plus 71. That's I mean that's a, that's incredible. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean. We're talking sort of um, Rosenborg in the 90s, unbelievable, probably even better. Um, I've had a bit of sort of stick, I guess, online at times this season, saying that this was by far the best Norwegian team ever. Um, which, you know, when you think about Rosenborg in the 90s, when you've got like you know, John Carew was there and you know, other massive players, Ross Strand and um, yeah, players of that ilk who were all sort of Norwegian internationals. It's, it's a really bold statement to make that, Glimp would be sort of anywhere near these levels, but yeah, you you can't you can't underestimate this season at all. Like scoring a hundred goals, they got the goal scoring record, they got the most record, uh, most wins record, goals per game record. It's it's crazy. Like there's no sort of easy way to sum up their season other than the fact that it, it has just been absolutely fantastic. And you know the fact that Norway's now getting attention sort of from all around Europe and. You know, you mentioned you guys are scouted, have sort of covered Glimp quite a lot and, you know, obviously had Hauger and Berg in the uh, the handbooks recently. It just sort of, yeah, it all just sort of sums up what a season it's been because any other year 
no Norwegian team would get this amount of coverage worldwide. So it's been amazing to see like so many new people following Norway, you know, the amount of sort of direct messages on Twitter I've had this year from people just sort of wanting to know more has been you know, really good to see. And it make, it sort of makes my job a lot easier, the fact that more people are enjoying it. So yeah, it's been, it's been a fantastic season for them and Norwegian football in general. Yeah, just to sort of recap, you know, last time we, we spoke earlier in the year, which was around sort of the, the March-April time, yeah. um, I, I recall you had sort of plenty to say on on quite a few players that I ha- really hadn't been keeping tabs on up until that point. Um, and, and before we get back into the glimpse title story, uh, which as you just alluded to there, was mm. sort of one of the fantastic um, things to come from this year. Um, I thought we could revisit a few of those players first, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, because... And I was I was going through the, the the first pod that we recorded, and, and it was funny because you you mentioned Hugo Vettelson, um, yeah. who inter- interestingly has actually moved to Glimt now, um, from from Starbuck. Uh, how's he sort of got on? Has he adapted to the team? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting one because Vettelson at Starbuck never really fit in with how they wanted to play. Almost, I think he's. A, I think I said in my last pod, he's a fantastic young player. He's got like a really interesting skill set as a midfielder, and I'm. Very happy that he has joined Glimp because I think it's a really nice step up for him. Um, I do think that he'll eventually move abroad and go you know, to a bigger team. We're not talking like sort of Hauger, Berg levels just yet, but yeah, it's he's had a sort he's had a funny season where he's been sort of fit, a few fitness issues here and there. He joined Glimp and he was a little bit injured. He was a little bit off a pace, but started to show like in a few sub appearances what he's all about and. I think next year he'll probably get a lot of game time, especially considering a few players might be off. So he's definitely sort of one to watch again next year. I feel like I say that every year about Vettelson, but I, I really like him as a player and I, I'm convinced he'll sort of, he'll come good one day. <laughs> he's still only 20 as well, so he's got time. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's difficult to come into, you know, the title favourites elect, you know, uh, and, and if you're yeah. not really on the... On, on the mark, then you're going to struggle to get into any team that's sort of pushing for for, for honours. Um, so you know to to have come in and 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 done as well as he has done, you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you know, 20 years old, he's got plenty <laughs> of time. Um, the, there was another one though, uh, Jurgen Strand Larsen, who I hadn't heard of. Yeah. Um, I now certainly have, um, because you mentioned that he was at AC Milan as a youngster, mm. um, but had come back to Norway and you know was doing well. But now he's scoring regularly for FC Groningen in the Eredivisie. Um, and, and recently made his senior Norway debut. So it's been a pretty good 2020 yeah. for him. Yeah, it has been. It is, um, Joe, I can't remember exactly what I said about him in the last pod, but yeah, I've, he's been highly rated in Norway for such a long time now. You know, I've spoke to um, directors at his former club, Sarpsborg, who, who were convinced that he would become like a multi-million pound player in the future. Um, I think I remember when he moved to Groningen, I thought the move came a little bit too soon for him because... He still hadn't at that point shown re- any real sort of goal scoring form in the elite Serien. In preseason, he always looks unbelievable. He looks like you know a guy who's going to score twenty goals easily. But he tends to then, yeah. You know, I mean, Sarpsborg are not a big goal scoring side anyway, but he did struggle to score. Um, so I wasn't too convinced about the Groningen move at first. Actually, I did think that it would take a while for him to settle. But I think the fact that Groningen had literally zero strikers when he arrived meant that he was sort of forced into a team straight away. And I think that was good for him in a way because he, he started to impress. And I think he's quite suited to that league as well in terms of like his physicality, but it was also his ability on the ball. You know, he's despite his age, he's 
he's very big for his age. He's uh, very good on the ball and he is a very good finisher, even though he hasn't really shown that in Norway. So, yeah, it's been good to see him progress and I do think he'll he'll carry on progressing and, yeah, no doubt he'll become a sort of a regular in the Norwegian team in the next sort of five years or so. His cap was actually sort of a, a strange one. Um, the Norwegian team obviously it was sort of decimated due to COVID and the, uh, the government didn't let him fly. Uh, so they had to basically call up a whole entire new squad from around the continent, players playing outside of Norway. And yeah, Strand Larsen just happened to be sort of the only striker playing abroad. So mm-hmm. he got his cap, but he did play very well. He did play very well against Austria. So it was, it was, um, yeah, massive moment for him. And it just sort of showed what he's, what he's all about really, I guess. Yeah, there's there's sort of a, a history of, of quite big strikers, you know, doing well in Holland, you know, the Baz Dosts of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think you could sort of, I mean, yeah, he's what, 19, 20 years old and he's already about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's there's some Haaland alarms going off there, but no, <laughs> we're not saying anything close to that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's he's done he's done well uh, to to start with there. And I think to be honest, like you said, he's probably surprised quite a few people that he has adapted so well. Yeah, yeah I think the fact that he's been sort of like I said, sort of forced in straight away and immediately given sort of like starts constantly, it's always going to do well for him, and he's always going to sort of obviously you know gain a lot from that from starting in a bigger league. And yeah, it's just it's been great to see sort of how fast he's adapted to it. Um, another one who who you mentioned, um, we're just going to revisit, and perhaps it's probably the best timing to do so uh, <laughs> because he recently scored his first goal for Valarenga, um, <laughs> and that, that was Odin Thiago home. And I remember you saying his name uh, yeah. on the first pod, and I was kind of just racking my brain to think, is there sort of a more <laughs> diverse name? You know, you've got a lot of Scandinavian in yeah. there, but you've also got bit of Spanish perhaps even Brazilian if you want to go down that route um you know what and he's what he's still 17 years old you know kind of in a very very exciting Valarenga team yeah he's been he's he's done well this year he's he's not started many games but he has got a lot of minutes off the bench and yeah he's he's in Norway he's been a a talent or someone that people have been keeping eye on since he was you know early teens we're talking I think he impressed in a like a, a youth tournament, like I'm talking sort of under 13s. I don't know exactly, but yeah, it's like an annual youth tournament in Norway and he caught the eye and immediately sort of was hyped up to become their next big superstar. So he's had a lot of pressure on his shoulders since a very young age. And even though this is his sort of first full season in elite Serie, and every, you know, every time he's been on the pitch, he hasn't looked out of place at all. Um, yeah, his name, Odin Tiago. So his name is Odin Home, but he actually adopted Tiago. Um, after Thiago Alcantara, obviously he plays for Liverpool um, because it's his favourite player. And his reasoning behind it was because it sounded a little bit cool. So he's... Um, yeah. You can't, you can't fail there, can you? That, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. It is. And his, his parents weren't too happy about it. I've read his parents sort of really tried to sort of say, no, please don't do it. <laughs> it is funny, even as like a 15-year-old, he decided to go ahead with it. So yeah, he was. he's like a... He's a very technically gifted young player and he actually played a lot on the wing and in attacking midfield um, when he was growing up. But he does model his game on Thiago a lot like in terms of you know, being so technically good on the ball, brilliant in the sort of half spaces, a really good passer. And he's he's just learning that sort of deeper role at the moment for Valerenga. And yeah, he's, like I said, you said he scored um, last weekend actually in the final round of games and He's been getting a lot of minutes off a bench in the last few months and I've got a feeling next year he'll be starting regularly and 
yeah, it'll be really fun to track his progress. I mean, we've seen this year with um, Ozam Sarawi, who I don't think I actually mentioned in the last podcast because he hadn't even you know made the bench in preseason at that point. But yeah, Valarenga really giving a lot of time to youngsters and yeah, they're going to be a club to follow next year because there's a lot of young talent coming through there. I mean, I just, I still just can't get over the sort of the name that he's adopted there. You know, you can't, <laughs> you cannot fail after you've given yourself, you've self-styled yourself Tiago Alcantara. Yeah, and it's a fully legal name as well. It, like he's gone oh. through, you know, depot to get that as well. So that is that is stuck now. <laughs> well, hey, full credit to him for you know if he does end up pulling it off. And you know, to be fair, the signs are there. Seventeen-year-old getting sort of regular appearances off the bench for yeah. for a, uh, for an elite Syrian team. Uh-huh. Hey, you know what? Fair enough. He's, yeah, he's he's one of like a lot of times you can tell with players if they're going to be good or not at that age, but you can't really tell how far. But like he's he's one of those players. That, like I I can tell just by watching him play, just his mentality, how he is on the pitch. I think he's going to go all the way to sort you know like. We're talking like Champions League level, maybe even higher. You know, he he is sort of a talent in the same ilk as Haaland was at the same age in a way. Um, You know, maybe it's it's really bold and I sort of do hate hyping up players that much at that age. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I I really think he's going to be one to watch next year. And if he does well in the league, then yeah, a move abroad can't be far off because it's probably going to be tons of clubs already scouting him. So yeah, definitely one to watch. Back to the the glimpsed title story, mm. uh, and, and that is obviously the the theme of today's podcast. You know, they've, they, obviously the the twenty twenty elite Serian campaign started in in June, um, and you know Bodo had, had they'd finished second the previous year. Um, the their manager Kietel Nutzen had won the elite Serian coach of the year mm. uh, the previous season, which I think was probably reflective, sort of from my perspective. You know, the outside looking in, you know, was reflective of. Uh, you know, overachieving with a club who traditionally weren't at the top of yeah. Norwegian football. Um, so, you know, going into the, the 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 2020 campaign, you know, were they considered to be contenders because of last season's finish or were they still sort of outsiders, really? I think they were still pretty big outsiders in a way. I mean, I, I was really impressed with them in 2019. I thought, you know, that 2019 season really summed up them as a club, like very economical. They get the best out of their players, with you know a good man a good man manager who improves players very well, so but I did sort of think that that was almost their peak, especially because they lost you know a few very big players in between seasons. Um, Amor Layuni went to Egypt to play. Hakon Evian is obviously at Az Alkmaar now, um, and yeah, the guys coming in like how even Halger at the time wasn't really an elite Serian regular at that point. He had he he'd always shown talent, but he'd never sort of done it consistently. And uh, Zinkanagel, who I'm sure we'll get onto later as well. Again, like he he started regularly, but he was never a, considered a key player really pre uh, pre 2020. So, I think a lot of people, including myself, wrote them off a little bit just because the squad seemed really thin. You know, there wasn't you know the, the signings in the summer on paper didn't look amazing. Um, you know, they were signing from lower elite Serian clubs. They were signing guys from the Dutch second tier or. You know, there's a guy from Sweden as well, um, Alphonse Samson at right back. So, especially with them competing in Europe this year, they looked a little bit thin on the ground. And I think I had them in about sort of fourth or fifth in my prediction. And I know a lot of like the Eurosport guys who like, yeah, the Sky Sports in Norway, 
Um, also had them sort of, you know, fifth, sixth around that point, just because it was almost like, well, Mulder and Rosenborg are going to be back. You know, Glimt haven't really strengthened too much, so how can we suggest they're going to win the league again? Obviously, we didn't account for like, <laughs> you know, the amazing work going on behind the scenes, which obviously we'll get onto in a bit. But yeah, I think a lot of people wrote them off, like including myself. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like you know you you, you mentioned there that Hauger wasn't really uh, an elite Syrian regular by that point. <clears throat> you know, he'd done well, yeah. but I mean, it wasn't sort of you know you couldn't have foreseen the impact that he would have over, you know, three quarters of a season before he was effectively plucked by one of the, you know, Serie A's <laughs> giants. You know, that that's an incredible story in itself. You know, you think about how little change goes on in an ordinary in an ordinary person's life, mm. you know, in in over the you know a six month period. But for, you know, for him and and his family, you know, to have undergone such <laughs> immense change is yeah. is, is, is definitely going to be a lot to sort of digest but i mean it's 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 reflective of you know a, a set of circumstances you know it's perhaps perhaps sort of you know the perfect storm scenario where mm-hmm. they they signed all of these players you know a few like as you mentioned from from clubs who perhaps weren't as prestigious um and they just got them together and they were banded together by this sort of this underdog mentality this spirit you know that nobody really expected anything huge from them yeah. so that when they did begin to start picking up consistent results you know the, the pressure wasn't there because they had nothing to maintain if they fell away everybody would have been like oh, well you know it's it's expected you know they've had yeah. a very good start to the year you know they've been coached very well we know that Knudsen's a, a very good manager um, and the setup behind them is very very adept but mm-hmm. no one expects them to go this far so I think just getting in that run and and the season being so short as well you know six months yeah that allows you to build up so much momentum and I think that that speaks to sort of why they scored just so many goals, why they, um, why they, I mean, it was what, one defeat all season? Yeah, one defeat. And that, that even came sort of post, I think it was post international round or post midweek round. Mm. When they had to rest a few players, they were missing a few lads. So yeah, I mean, to go, if they, if they'd gone this season undefeated, it would have literally been, you know, the most unbelievable thing about this season. You know, playing so many games in such a short, short space of time and, not losing would have been I don't think anything would have ever rivaled that in the future <laughs> it, it was interesting because um, I was looking at sort of all the the, the games uh, the, the key players played and yeah. I noticed that one of the very few games that Philip Zinkenegel didn't play was that defeat um, and you know I, I'd, I'd been sort of semi-familiar with with how how he'd done and and just to caveat this you know he is he's 26 so he's not a, t- a scouted football prospect but yeah. at the same time you know we, we can't tell Glimpse story without telling Zinkernagel's story um, because you know the 30 games are roughly there or thereabouts yeah. in, in this elite Syrian season you know he got 19 goals and 20 odd assists yeah I mean how on earth do you get those numbers it's just incredible it's something I think yeah you sort of mentioned it in a way it's like almost the perfect storm um, you know I said I said a minute ago I think but like last year Zinkernagel was sort of it, he he played every game, but he was being shifted into positions that he wasn't really, um, wasn't like fully comfortable in because of the form of other players like Layuni and Evian, who I mentioned, and his output sort of suffered because of that. I think he, when he joined Glimt, he was he was always touted as like a very good player. You know, players from Denmark coming to Norway generally, you know, are of a higher standard. And Zinkenagel had been sort of pretty highly rated as a youngster, but hadn't really hit the heights that were expected of him. So when he came when he came to Glimt, it was sort of a chance for him to 
uh, sort of reignite his career. And he didn't really do that for the first like year and a bit. He, he, he looked good and you could tell there was a player there. He's very good on the ball. He's very direct. Um, but the output just wasn't great. This year, I mean, <laughs> it's impossible to say, like put it down to one thing. It's, it was literally the perfect storm of you know, the entire team playing well, creating so many chances per game and Zinkanaga was just at the heart of that. I just, yeah, I... <laughs> it's unbelievable to play. I think twenty-eight games. He scored nineteen goals and I think eighteen assists. I mean, we mentioned the transfer marks statistic there, but I think yeah, if you include penalties, one and assists from shots that are saved, then we're talking sort of mid twenties in the assists. So he took the record for you know goal contributions by a mile this year. You know, a record that has stood since sort of mid two thousands. I think it was um, a guy called Vegar Paul Gonnison who played for Starbeck at the time. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, he's 26 years old. So in a way, he gets overlooked a little bit because, you know, the focus is so heavy on young players at the moment. He does get a little bit overlooked, especially when you sort of compare him to Jens Peter Hager's season, obviously, who also had a brilliant, uh, you know, half, two thirds of a season before he left. But, you know, what Zinkenagel's done this year is unbelievable. He's been playing at a standard where, you know, if you slotted him into a Premier League team, it wouldn't look out of place. Would not look out of place at all. Really? Wow. I'd, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if he got a move of that standard. He's mm. been linked to a sort of lot of um, sort of lower table Serie A teams, for example. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's been unbelievable, and he's just been at the heart of everything they've done. And he, he, yeah, he's benefiting from a system that really suits his style of play as well. I mean, this, that's not forgetting Casper <clears throat> Juncker as well. I mean, we we, we eulogise over over Zinkenagel there, yeah. you know, being sort of the driving force in attack. But Casper Juncker, you know, he, he went, went one better and got twenty seven goals himself, <laughs> and few, uh, quite you know, not as many assists, but it's still over thirty goal contributions in you know thirty games in 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 a season. That's, I mean, these are these are Thierry Henry numbers we're talking about here. Yeah, you know, these, are, these are special special numbers. I mean. Just from sort, of, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can confess the only times I've watched anything of Glimpse was when sort of I was trying to just, I was just watching Jens mm. Petter out. So you know, you're not f- perhaps focusing on the rest of the game as much. You know, you're looking very much with a with a lens towards one player. Yeah. Um, but just whenever they played, it always seemed to be very free flowing. Um, they always seemed to be fitter than the opponents, which I think yeah. in a six month season is so so important. Um, and they all just seem to have a very good understanding. You know, is that something to do with the fact that there was quite a few academy players there? Or is it the fact that they were just superior players? I think it's it's a bit of both in a way. Like, the players themselves at the start of the season weren't superior at all, really. They just, Glimt had, like, you know, they had some very good players and players with a lot of potential, but no one who was really sort of a standout. And you sort of fast forward to now, and there, there's, you know, so many players in this team who could get moved to... We're talking like big European sides. Like obviously, Hauger's gone to Milan, and you know Zinkanov has been linked to Serie A, for example. Um, so yeah, the spine of a team really for me is what makes his team like tick. You know, you've got Berg and Sartners in central midfield, and I, you know, I'd be surprised if there's been a better central midfield pairing in Norway ever because you know these two guys are both local lads. They're both born in Border or sort of in close to the city. Um, they complement each, each other's game perfectly. And then you look at you know, the front line of Halga, Zinkanagel, Junker, 
Uh, Zinconago and Junker are really good friends off the field, you know, inseparable off the field, and you can tell they've got that that chemistry on pitch as well. You know, the amount of times they've assisted each other, I don't know the exact stat, but it's it's a lot. And you know, ha- add Halger into a mix. You know, one of the, one of the best young players in the world at the moment. Let's be honest. Um, and yeah, it, it's just it, it is like the perfect mix. And you look at the back four as well. They've got you know Frederick Bjorkan, who's a local lad. He's the son of the sporting director, playing at left back. Marius Lauder, who's been improving year on year. And then I think the oldest player in the squad, in fact, is Braden Murrah, who played alongside Lauder for much of the season. And he's only 29 years old. <laughs> like, mm. it's, cra- it's, it's crazy. But it's just, yeah, all these guys, they complement each other's games brilliantly. And it's always been the case as well, where if one of them misses out, someone who steps in has always been up to the same standard. So, you know, Braden Murrah has been injured for a lot of years. Marius Hoybraten comes in, who you know was playing in the Obos again last year for Sanderfjord, and it, it hasn't even been a drop off in quality. And then we look up front, and like you know, Casper Junker, even though he scored so many goals, he actually missed a lot of the season or was unfit for a lot of the season due to like a groin issue. So when he misses out, you got Victor Boniface coming in, who you know again one of the best young strikers in the league. So there's just been no drop off in quality, and that's. You know, the spine of a team and that sort of ability for players just to come in and perform to the same level has really been sort of a driving force behind you know this season in a lot in many ways. I think one of the one of the players, I mean, the player that we have to discuss sort of first and foremost, you know, if we're if we're gonna mm. shine a, a spotlight on on any of them, would be would be the story of of Jens Petterhaus' season, you know, because obviously. He's he's now been you know a, a huge scouted favorite, but he's also now you know obviously a big Milan favorite because he's he's taken to life there pretty well. You know, yeah. scored a lovely goal cutting in off the sort of coming in from the byline, lovely little dribble and finish. Um, and then he was videoed sort of learning Italian out of a little textbook on on a flight back from an away game. And you think you know there's just there's just so much here. You you want him to do so well. Yeah, uh, he's but I mean his story is. You know, him and his brother both were contracted to um, to Glimt at the beginning of the season. His younger brother, Runa, uh, and and uh, you know his I can't remember what his what his father's called, but you know it's a big uh, yeah. sport. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah, it's a big big sporting family. Yeah, um, and you know it's it's kind of one of those I don't know. It, it's, it seems like the the whole Swiss family Robinson, you know, <laughs> Norwegian variation, uh, and and they've ended up getting you know a, a massive blockbuster move to to Milan out of it. Um, what I mean, what is sort of the the story of of Jens Petter Haug then? Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I've I've followed this kid since he was you know sixteen years old. So to see him at this level now is unbelievable. Like it's so fun for me to follow. Um, you sort of alluded there, like to the sort of families, like in Norway, it's it's crazy how many sort of how many top players come from sporting families. Obviously, Erling Haaland is you know the main example. His dad Alfie used to play for City and other teams, and it's it's just it's a very sort of Norwegian mentality. They're very very focused. They're very determined. You know, like you mentioned, Halga there, uh, learning Italian on a plane, for example, like things like this. It, it, it just it sums them up as guys. A lot of Norwegians are very determined to succeed, and they will do everything possible to sort of get the most out of their career. And yeah, Halger especially. I mean, it's not been it's not been an easy route to a top at all. He um he was always you know one of the highest rated players in a way in the Glimpse Academy when he did come through, and he made a few appearances in the Elite Serie at age sixteen, 
um, just a few sort of fleeting appearances. But it was in 2017 in the Obos Ligaen where he really sort of you know stood out, especially to me. I was covering the second tier at that point, and I think he registered something. I think it was 12 assists potentially, only a couple of goals, but yeah, 12 assists in you know 20 odd games for a 17 year old in the Obos Ligaen, which is you know very physical, very demanding league for a player of that stature, you know, quite slight, quite small. Um, and yet he just looked like a cut above everyone else. But then sort of between 2017 and 2020, he didn't really kick on that much. He actually like put on a little bit of weight. Um, there was like sort of a bit of discussion within Glimt about sort of his diet and where he actually wants to become a professional footballer. Um, he was eventually sort of sent out to Arlison on loan which was probably the worst loan move you could have chosen for him at that time because Arlison strictly played a sort of three-five-two, three sort of yeah three-five-two formation with wing backs and no real attacking midfielders. So fitting Halger in there, who is you know a winger naturally or potentially attacking midfielder in the future, he just didn't fit into formation and never really got going. So in a way, he sort of lost a year and a bit of his career almost. But yeah, there was, there was no doubt in my mind he was always going to become a very good elite Serian player. I would not have said he would be at AC Milan right now. You know, if we're backtracking two years ago, that would have been insane to me. I always knew he was very talented, but his progression the last year has been unbelievable. I mean, even if even if we went back to sort of March, April time when we first recorded, you know, mm. to suggest that six months after that, he'd be sort of scoring regularly in the Europa League for yeah. AC Milan and, and top of Serie A and getting, you know, a fair amount of minutes off the bench to be to be perfectly honest. You know, you know, he's he's well and truly playing his part. I think it's yeah, he's I mean to to come from sort of being suggested or, you know, does he really want to be a professional footballer? Mm. Discussions being had to, you know, this is sort of one of the best exports we've had from yeah. from Norway in the past, you know, decade. It's it, that's some that's some um I don't know what what's the word. That's some, <laughs> progression, some time, isn't it? Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's evolution. Yeah, it's cra- yeah, it's crazy because I remember when we did the podcast before. I I can't even remember if I mentioned him. I think I must have mentioned him in passing because he's always been one of my favourite players. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not sure about in too much detail because at the time it was sort of it was debatable whether he was even going to start for Glimp this season. Um, obviously, you know, he played he played every game um, since the season started and absolutely killed it. That's that's all in the past, I guess now. But yeah, I remember like at the start of the season, he he, he played a few games. And he was he was getting linked to Circle Bruges in Belgium, who were I think mm. maybe bottom of the table at that point. Um, and I remember I remember thinking at the time like, please don't take this move, please do not take this move, because I guarantee you, if you wait a few a few months, something bigger will come along. And you know, he was he literally had almost signed on a dotted line for Circle before eventually um, saying, no, I'm going to stay at Glimt. I want to sort of try and see the season out, try and get the title before I make a move. Obviously, that worked in his favour, you know, and I guess the rest is sort of history in a way. Um, you know, the match against Milan was unbelievable. Like, I was, do- I was doing a live stream, actual watch along for it, and it was crazy to see how well he did and how sort of easily, or how, how good he looked compared to very good Milan players. I think he was up against... You know, Teo Hernandez for a bit of a game and he looks okay against him and it was, it was crazy and you know the story of sort of you know Halga comes off a pitch at full time and you know, the story that Maldini then goes and speaks to him and say yep yeah, we're going to sign you mate 
it's it's crazy and stuff of dreams that yeah coming into the changing room (laughs) to tell you that you know you've you've (laughs) you've just torn us apart at san siro we're we're gonna sign you we're gonna sign you yeah i know know they've been tracking him for a little while previously and maybe like a lot of the guys were sort of keen on signing him anyway um but yeah (laughs) it is a brilliant story to then like you know put a goal past milan and then a day later you've pretty much signed for him like it's it's unheard of in modern football so it's been, yeah, an, it's been an amazing season for him. Yeah, sorry. I think that, yeah, the, the, the parallel that I think you can most aptly draw there was the um, the Cristiano Ronaldo move from from Sporting to, to Man United where, yeah. you know, he gave Gary Neville, Gary Neville a really torrid time um, on, on that wing in a pre-season friendly. And Sir Alex Ferguson goes, yeah, we've got we've to have that kid. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, literally. It's, there's a few echoes there, you know. I'm not saying that that Haug is going to be uh, anywhere near the Cristiano Ronaldo level, but hey, they're playing in the same league now and they're scoring against the same yeah. competition. So hey, who, who's to you say? Never know. <laughs> um, just looking at his, his statistics here from uh, from the beginning of the season when he was still at Glimt, yeah. I think out of the 18 games he played, there are only two games where he didn't either score or assist or both. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's he was, uh, <laughs> He was a must-have in fantasy football this year, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he lost 14 and 18 goals and then, you know, seven or eight assists or something crazy like that Jeez. on top of it. It's, it is mad. and But, he, yeah, he fully deserves a move. And it's like, I've been saying it for years, I've been waiting for this guy to explode like onto a scene like this for a long time. And it did get to a stage where I thought it might never happen. So, yeah, for me personally, it, it yeah, it always felt like 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 it was my kid in a way. It sounds stupid, <laughs> but like I followed this kid for like four or five years, and to see him now at Milan is is unbelievable. So, yeah, fair play to him. He's he's absolutely smashed it this year. Sweet vindication, I think. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I, I think th- perhaps the next one, you know, another one of yours who you might feel like mm. you know feeling like a proud father um, is, is Patrick Berg because he was you know just the the player that you just touched on in that central midfield pairing yeah. um, earlier there. But you profiled in in the scouted football handbook, um, which for anyone who hasn't read it, you know, is a brilliant summation of a really functional player who provides you know, so much balance to this, yeah. you know, this title winning uh, glimp team. You know, what what is the story behind Berg? Because he's a little bit older than Hauger. He's 23. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's been, he's been playing in Norway for quite a while now, but, you know, is, is, is this sort of the, the final stage of his, you know, evolution in Norway? And he's now going to sort of go on to, to newer pastures and in, in perhaps a, a bigger European league. Yeah. I think, I think in a way there's a lot of parallels to Hauger's career. In the fact that sort of Berg started as a very big talent for Glimt, he debuted very young, 16 or 17 years old, um, but never really sort of kicked on until last year. You know, I think 2019 was the first season that people started really taking him seriously as like a as a proper footballer almost. He was before that he was sort of he was shunted to like the right wing every now and then. He barely started, and he was he was close to leaving um, a couple of times throughout my sort of time covering Bodo Glimt. Um, which would have been a massive story in Bodo because he's from like the most famous family in Bodo, or maybe even the most famous family in North, North Norway. You know, his his dad, his uncles have all played played for Glimt. Most of them have played for Norway. His grandfather is a uh, Harold Dutiberg, who is a Norwegian legend from the sort of sixties, seventies, and a Bodo Glimt legend as well. So 
similar to Hauger in a way, like he's always had this pressure on his shoulders to succeed. And he's he's morphed from, you know, an, a sort of utility player who was filling in where needed, like he would be on the wing, he'd be in attacking midfield, to now like the absolute heartbeat of this Bodo Glimp team. And yeah, I'd be confident in saying that this team would not have, they might have still won the league, but they would not have, you know, smashed the records they have without him at the base of that midfield because he, you know, he's the conductor of the orchestra, to put it sort of in a, in a cliche way. You know, he keeps the team ticking. He's excellent on the ball, excellent under pressure. And his passing range has just developed so well the last year. So, yeah, he's he's 23 now, I think. And, yeah, so he's not sort of under 21. But he's still at the age now where I think he you're looking at a, a good move. And I think a parallel could be drawn to sort of um, Frederick Mitchell at AZ Altmar. And I reckon that could be a sort of, you know, similar standard move for Berg. Although, wouldn't surprise me one bit if um, bigger teams started looking at him as well. Yeah, the, again, the air divisi seems like a sort of a manageable step up for for him. Um, just from sort of the, the the clips that I've seen, you know, his passing range, as you just mentioned there, I think is one of the things that definitely stands out. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just need that that player right at the base of your midfield, you know, just to be the fulcrum. When you've got the the Zinkenegels and the, the Junkers and the Haugers, you know, and, and Boniface is, you know, balling out up front, you know, you've got that solidity, that ballast to just yeah. keep you anchored, keep I you, think, you know, yeah, so I think I think it's amazing, but like a player sort of as understated as Berg, like if you watch him play, he's not he's not flashy, he doesn't do anything out of the ordinary. But for a player that understated to get so much credit in Norway is is a pretty, is a massive feat in itself because you know naturally you're drawn to you know the Zinkenagels, the Haugers, but Berg in many people's books has been sort of player of the year this year just because of you know how he keeps his team ticking. So yeah, he, he may not be the, flash, the flashiest, but yeah, if you play him in the correct role, he's always going to be an extremely important player for like whatever team he ends up at. Well, there you have it. They've, there's a bit of proof there that we don't just put the flashiest players in the scouted football handbook. <laughs> we put some some of the time it's players who are very functional and you know do their job pr- properly. Um, so yeah, it's not just the uh, the, the exciting ones. Um, the, in terms of sort of the, the academy, you know, Boda's not a huge place. It's what, mm. 50,000 people roughly. Um, it's yeah. in it's in or very near the Arctic Circle. Um, I'm, you know, I'm guessing there from sort of my very basic geography knowledge. At looking, <laughs> I think at it's him. inside, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, get in. Um, just, I, I, I've estimated well there. Um, but, you know, you, there's, there's quite a few players who've come through there, quite a few who are, you know, you know you, we mentioned Hauger and, and Berg, you know, the, those two being... Um, you know, prime examples of that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's Frederick Bjorken, um, who has been linked with Leeds United recently, quite tentatively, I might add. Um, I think that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, there was some tenuous links there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's another um, he's another academy uh, lad. You know, there's 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 you know there's Berg, Haug one, Haug two, uh, and, and Bjorken, and of course, you know, it helps with having that sort of sporting family with yeah. his father, Asmund Bjork, and being the former manager of Glimpton, now director of football. But is this a case of, you know, I mean, what, what is it? What's in the water up there? It's, it's, a, it's a sort of, it's a combination of a few things, I guess, in a way, like the catchment area is so big for Border Glimp because they're so isolated in terms of, you know, top football clubs up there. There's a, there's a lot of clubs around Border Glimp, you know, but they're all sort of local clubs. So in a way, like Glimp will have first pick of, you know any of any sort of talent that does come through any of these local clubs up in up north, um, 
the, the nearest other big club to board a glimpse is Tromso and they're about an hour plane ride away. So it sort of summarizes how isolated the, the city and the club is up there in a way. So it's, it's a really strong catchment area. So naturally, just because of that, they will always get um, a good crop of young players coming through. Um, and as well as that, like the, they do focus a lot on their youth recruitment and a lot on their um, their youth coaching up in Glimp, which maybe some other Norwegian teams don't um, don't prioritise too heavily. So, yeah, when you're getting top class coaching from a young age, and yeah, you're also having people actually out there looking for these talents who who know what they're doing, and as well as having that big catchment area, it's always going to result in you know a lot of good young players coming into the club and. We've started to notice in the last like year or so that Bologlimt used to only really bring players through the academy from the local areas. They're starting to now buy players from further afield. You've got guys like Elias Christopher Hagen, uh, who came from Grorud down south, um, 20-year-old, who's now sort of in the first team. And uh, Sebastian Tunetki, who was playing for Tromsdalen and so really should have been picked up by Tromso because he was closer to that area. But yeah, he's been picked up by Glint as a 17-year-old and now looks like he's going to be you know, in the first team next year. So yeah, they, they've started to pivot to more towards you know signing good youngsters from afar as well as picking up youngsters uh, from close. So yeah, it all bodes well for the future and it means that they've constantly got that sort of conveyor belt going through of, you know, Hauger might leave, but then we've got, you know, Hauger 2 coming in or Tonetki coming in. So yeah, it's... It's a really good strategy, and it's 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 one of the reasons why they're such a sort of a well-run club. Yeah, I suppose that brings us on to sort of the what happens off the pitch. You know, the coaching and and the structure that's allowed them to to romp to the title as they have done. You know, it's obviously been quite a few years in the making because you know they finished second last year, um, and you know, at, at, in 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 like you know broader terms, they've recently been promoted from the Obosli game. Yeah. So you know this. <laughs> there's been a plan and a structure in place and it's been a gradual um and i think yeah, obviously they've they've got the rewards of that but um you know kietel nutson was was the unsurprisingly the elite serian coach of the year this year as well which makes it twice in a row you know what were uh, between you know with him and his coaching staff you know what were the circumstances re- surrounding his role in the title triumph because clearly you know that 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 doesn't just happen by accident you can't just put any tom dick or harry in into <laughs> into um, this team and say, you know, go and play because clearly they, you know, to have lost one game all season, pretty much won every other. It's not, you know, that's, that's no fluke. Yeah. It's, it, again, it's sort of, it's a mix of things really that come into it in a way because Nutson himself, you know, I spoke to a lot of Bodo Glimp players and, you know, obviously they're all extremely complimentary about him. He's an excellent manager, but the thing that comes out of what the chats I'm having with these guys are that he's not the most tactically sound in a way. Like he is a very good motivator. He sets up a team pretty well, but he's not he's not like a, a tactical master as sort of like, you know, a Guardiola or someone like that. He just knows how to get the best out of his players. And, you know, his coaching team compliment him because of that. You know, he's got a lot of coaches in the in the you know, in the squad and around the squad who will focus more on the tactical side of things and how to set the team up and how to counter other teams. Um but yeah, he's the development he's had personally as well as the squad has been really good because he joined from an Obos team, Osana, and joined as the assistant coach to Bjorken, who was manager in the Obos Ligan season. And and it was only really post that Obos season when they got promoted that 
they sort of switched and Bjorkan went upstairs to a sporting director role and Knutson started, you know, coaching the team full time as a head coach. Um, but you've not, you can, you notice with Glimpse over the last few years, they've been adding sort of coaches to really key points, um, you know, really, really key areas in their squad. So they've employed like a mental coach who's come in to, you know, talk to players about the mentality of being a top football club. Yeah, you know, this was a guy who I think he was a former pilot. He's, you know, he's not had any um, affiliation with a football team before, but the players all speak so highly of him. And again, it's it's, it's part of a modernisation of the club that they've looked to get, you know, a mental coach in to, you know, train the players outside of the pitch as well as on it. And as well as this, like they, there's a real big focus on sort of the physical trainers, the fitness trainers, the physios, you know, I remember a couple of seasons ago, Glimpse were getting it in the neck because they had so many players constantly getting groin injuries and it got to a stage where Glimpse were literally blaming their own physios for this and they, they were losing key players for you know, matches at a time because of this. So ever since that, it seems like they've really focused in bringing in like the best you know, physical coaches, the best fitness coaches and the best physios into their team. And especially with the condensed season this year, you know, Getting these players out every week has been, you know, possibly the biggest one of the biggest achievements this year. You know, like guys like Berg, Sarnez, Zinkanago, they barely missed a minute, let alone a game. And all of that has sort of aided towards how well they've done this year. And I think that's the thing with Knutson, like he he knows how to build a coaching team. He knows he knows his strengths and he knows his limitations and he knows where to sort of position people to get the best out of them, whether that's coaches or players. So He's he's done a fantastic job. He's actually just signed a new deal today to stay on with the club next season. So it's going to be fantastic to see him leading him again and you know see if they can replicate this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it mustn't be underestimated, you know, given the circumstances of the season, that how important the likes of fitness coaches will be to to the to the makeup of this side because it's reflected in the way they play. They play the most attractive football. They play with the most attacking verve. And you, you know, you can't do that unless yeah. you're absolutely on it in terms of your, your physical fitness. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of the time people say, you know, the greatest commodity in football is, you know, being available. The greatest attribute is being, is availability. Um, yeah. You know, if your top players are, you know, fit and ready to, to go 90 minutes every week, or sometimes twice every week, you know, and, and you've got the recovery in, in place to, to make sure that their peak performance the next time they take to the field, that's going to give you such an advantage hmm. on somebody else who, you know, perhaps doesn't place the, the same, you know, stringent approach on on on, on fitness and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I think, yeah, yeah you know, it's a, massive, uh, it's a massive endorsement of the 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 setup, you know, from, from top to bottom at, at Glimpse because, you know, they, they know they're not, they might not be the richest club, you know, compared to Rosenborg or Mulder, but, you know, they can get their 1%, their marginal gains in, in other areas. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the main point really to sort of take away, I guess, for other Norwegian clubs. There's only been a handful of clubs looking for these 1% sort of marginal gains. It's something that myself and um guy who used to cover Elite Serie and Perry Sykes before me, We've been going on about this for years that Norwegian clubs really need to, you know, get these marginal gains to be better because, you know, they're not the richest of te- they're not the richest teams. Most teams barely have any money to spend, so you know they've got to really look to get these gains where they can, and and that's exactly what Bodo Glimt have done in the last couple of years. Um, you know, they just get the absolute most out of every single person on the pitch, off the pitch, and yeah, it's like we sort of said, like the um. They blew teams away in the first 10, 10 games of the season. 
after about seven games, most teams in the Elite Seven were flagging. You know, they were resting players, they were players who were getting muscle injuries. Glint were just ploughing on, they were killing teams 4 5 0. You know, Berg and Sartner's playing 90 minutes every single week. It was, it was crazy to watch. It's a, yeah, a testament to the brilliant work being done behind the scenes there as well. And I think, you know, just, just to, to, you know, bring this to a close, you know, you're, you've been covering Norwegian football in, in depth, you know, probably more than most people, well, more than anyone, um, <laughs> you know, over the past five years, um, you know, you've, you've had your fair, fair share of run-ins, you know, your fair share of interviews, you know, fair share of conversations. And I can imagine that, you know, you've, I mean, you've, you've said before, you know, you've come across some of these players and they've, they've spoken to you about, you know, how, they they admire Nutsen, but you know, do you have any sort of you know any sort of tall tales of 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 what it was like, you know, sort of interacting with some of these players and what they're what they're like and how you perhaps would envisage the, their future being? Yeah, yeah. I mean, get ready for name drop central, but um, yeah, it's like uh, yeah, it's funny because it is it's it's almost like a team like this Glimp team is very similar to one that I grew up with from the Obosli again. So for the last sort of four years, I've covered them really in depth and. Yeah, they're just like the thing that gets me is that it's just such a down to earth club. You know, like I if I need something I can I can drop on a message and they'll get back to me and it's like you know, I, I'm a nobody compared to, you know, these guys. We're talking like, you know, top elite Syrian players. And you know, they're always more than happy to help out with, you know, if I if I need an interview request or like just any or getting a signed shirt or just, you know, stuff like that. And it, yeah, it, it's a testament to just like, you know, the club it's very well run. They're also yeah, just very good blokes, essentially, and very good ladies. Like, it's I haven't really got a bad word to say about anyone in the club, to be honest. And it sounds a lot like, you know, I do go on a lot about them on Twitter and stuff, but it's hard not to like a club like that. It's hard not to really, you know, follow and get involved with a club like that. You know, like Patrick Berg, for example, he's got like a little fishing channel on the side that you know, <laughs> has been going around like Bodo Glint circles for a a little while him and like a few lads just taking a boat out and going fishing in between beating teams five nil. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I had no idea about that. That is I'll, I'll have to put a link up, but it's it's good content. And um yeah, and just like the things you hear like about you know like Junker and Zinkanagel like being completely inseparable off a pitch and then on the pitch absolutely demolishing teams between them. You know, and then having guys like Berg and Sartner is just you know, two extremely down-to-earth blokes. Um, I remember actually, um, I don't know if you remember, in the, in the Milan game, so Ulrich Sultan has had a chance at the end of the game to sort of, to level things up. And it's a really big chance and he could have, you know, taken the game to a draw. Ended up missing this guilt-edged chance and sort of came out on Twitter after apologising and then literally just getting hundreds and hundreds of messages from Glint fans, from Norwegian fans, just saying like, look, don't worry about it, mate. You've been brilliant this year. Don't you? Don't worry about it at all. And it's that sort of like positivity. It's like the, the players must find it impossible to not feed off that because you know, you think in a Premier League, if someone misses like a an open goal, the amount of chat they're going to get online is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, Sortner's misses this brilliant chance, and all he gets is positivity in return. It's like so. It's sort of it's it's give and take in a way. Like you know, like they're a great club and they get great support because of that, you know, but it's not like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say Molder are a bad club, but Molder traditionally in Norway are not seen as like a, a very open club. They're very closed off. They don't really speak to press. They don't really give out interviews too much. And 
because of that, they have a little bit of a reputation. And then you compare it to Glimpse, who are just completely the opposite. And, you know, you got, like, their sporting director, Bjorkan, on Twitter, like, you know, bantering their rivals, Tromso, every week and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's literally chalk and cheese. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard not to sort of become a supporter of them. And I guess I sort of have this year. I do try and remain neutral where possible. But, yeah, it's impossible not to root for them at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it seems like just an ode to the little guy, really, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the you know you want them to do well. You want all these players who have come through the academy to do well. I'm sorry, the fact that Berg has a fishing channel is <laughs> absolutely brilliant. I'm going to check that out. That is brilliant. That is he's a pretty, he's a pretty good fisherman as well. I mean, it's it's, it's the most Norwegian thing you'll probably see. But. <laughs> where's he going? Where's he going to move to? Because you know he's going to have to have quite a fair share of fresh water for him to even <laughs> consider moving. Oh, no. I'm thinking Bundesliga, maybe getting get him, get him one of lakes or something. <laughs> exactly. A lake in a forest, like a black forest or something. That'd be good. <laughs> no, that would be, I mean, you know, Berg's fishing tour around Europe, you know, wherever <laughs> wherever it takes him. I mean, this he's, he's setting himself up for a post a post football career, I reckon. Absolutely. I mean, for anyone in the UK who's seen um, Bob Mortimer, uh, and <laughs> Bob Mortimer has gone fishing. That's that's absolutely brilliant. I think they yeah. should get Patrick Berg on that. Um, they're missing a trick if they don't, because you know they'd have one of the coolest operators on the pitch and apparently in the boat. If he, if he ever joins, if he ever comes to a Premier League, I want to see him on Bob Mortimer's or Robson Green ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> Robson Green, that might be. You know, that's a bit too intense, I think. You know, for, for the you know maybe leave that to the Zinkenegels or the, or yeah. the Junkers. Um, but no, that's that's a great little story to come out of. A, you know, a really feel good, heartwarming 2020 title winning story, you know, and, and I think it's just, you know, it's one of the things that we haven't really mentioned as much as perhaps we, we would if there wasn't so much to go off. But this is, you know, their first title in over 100 years of history. You know, this is yeah, an incredible achievement. It's, yeah, it's the first title ever to a North Norwegian team, which is, you know, an achievement in itself. Like, there's a lot of history with North Norway compared to Norway, like they weren't allowed in the top division until you know, the 70s or early 80s um, because of how remote it was up north. So it's almost like, I mean, Tromso fans will disagree as rivals, but, you know, their, their title win is almost like a win for all of North Norway and it has been celebrated like very widely in that region. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Morton Gams Pedersen's take on it as, as, a, as a big <laughs> Tromso boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good yeah it's a good story absolutely. Um, just before we go, is there anything sort of that you'd like to s- sort of plug you know for your own work and stuff with football radar and, and the like? Yeah, I guess like just I mean follow me on Twitter as always uh, fr football Ben. Um, always talking about Norway on there, so that's always good. Hopefully, and yeah, I'm actually I'm in the process of writing a book actually about Norwegian football um, and about the sort of current golden generation of footballers that are that they are producing sort of like the stories behind that. Um, you know, why is this all come about at once? And, you know, just, just sort of more an ode to Norwegian football, hopefully in, you know, the past five years and me covering it. And yeah, that'll be coming out in um, 2021 um, through pitch publishing. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. I'll be hopefully updating on that pretty soon as well. So yeah, I think that's all the plugs I can get in, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just going to echo that because you know th- there isn't really a better source of of Norwegian football sort of in the Twitter sphere, I think, than than yourself, Ben. And, and I recommend anybody who wants to you know follow the the following elite Syrian season in in you know the minute detail to absolutely get get on board with following Ben. 
um, who who's, his app will be in the um, the description of this episode. Um, but yeah, I think I'll be absolutely getting my hands on that book because it's it's something that all of us have scouted. You know, the Norwegian football uh, and and sort of Scandinavian football has really captured the imagination over the past eighteen months or so. I think it's so it's so fun to follow at the moment. Like, yeah. there's always been talent in Norway, but this is the first time that it's just being consistently churned out and they're playing regularly and they're all big, being linked to big clubs and you know like I only mentioned in passing earlier but like Ozam Sarawi I mean someone that you know I know you guys are scouted football really like and he, he's probably the next next cab off a rank almost sort of thing mm. so it's just gonna be so fun to follow and hopefully the book will sort of reflect that journey yeah I was gonna say it's not a bad time to be writing a book about uh, a golden generation <laughs> it's like yeah, almost yeah. If, if there was a Belgian football expert writing one about 10 years ago, that'd be, uh, that'd be absolutely <laughs> perfect. But yeah. Anyway, that is everything from our little trip to the Arctic Circle. Thank you to Ben for his uh, immense knowledge, as, as always. Um, you know, as I was just saying, we've, we've become somewhat transfixed and enamored on, on Scandinavian prospects in, in recent months. You know, Ozam Sarawi, you know, definitely being one that we're interested in um, at Valarenga. Um, so I think we'll be discussing a few more of those in the months to come, which means, of course, uh, there may be another podcast on the horizon. Um, but stay tuned for more episodes. Um, they are on the way, I can assure you. Uh, and if you'd like to read Ben or, or my profiles on the best young players in world football and Norway, of course, uh, then get yourself over to sfhandbook.com um, for a copy of the Scouted Football Handbooks. Uh, and failing that, get over to our Twitter account at ScoutedFTBL for regular updates of what's going on in the under-23 footballing world. Um, but yes, thank you for tuning in. Um, tell a friend about us, recommend us, rate us, review us. Um, it does go a very, very long way, I can assure you. Um, But take care, uh, enjoy yourselves and bye for now.